Wednesday morning. Uh, by the way, that means Wednesday morning Bible study, right? Yeah, we're not stopping just because it's Christmas week. Pastor Tom is on his way, and we'll be talking with him coming up at the top of the hour, just about. story and Stephen Curtis Chapman here on Heartfelt Radio. All right, get your Bible. Uh, We're less than 10 minutes away. Yeah, we're doing Bible study today. Pastor Tom is here and we will be in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, but have your fingers and your thumb ready because we may be jumping around a little bit this morning. Bible study time coming up at 7.06 Town Hall News, a minute and a half away here on Heartfelt Radio. Well, good morning. It's 7.06, and my name's Mark. Gabe is on vacation this week, and it's still Bible study time. On a Wednesday morning, Pastor Tom gets the last word for 2021. Good, good morning. Good morning. And this is, if if Gabe is listening in, this is going to make Gabe feel really bad. Oh, no. But Melinda is here in the studio, too. Hi, Melinda. Good morning, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and there are goodies in the studio. Yes. The This studio is filled with goodies right now. Oh, boy. Awesomeness. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, coffee Cake Ministry, hashtag Coffee Cake Ministry. Yeah, the frosted cookies, which yeah. are all right. You know, whatever flavor, it's all delivery agent. doesn't matter. For the sugar. doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, uh, we are going to dig into the scriptures, and obviously, you know, today we're going to work our way through some things that have some Christmas connotations. So where are we headed? Well, so I've been working through a series, and I think it's interesting, first of all, want to set the stage a little bit you know we, we look at the angels mm-hmm. and i know and I ha- i've had to say this to a couple times is that you know people when they pass it's like well god got another new angel it's like no we need to set the stage that angels are different than human beings mm-hmm. and so as i've sort of walked through at least the four encounters with zachariah and mary and joseph and then the shepherds it's just this interesting view about how the angels show up and we could spend a lot of time just talking about what was going on in heaven long before even this event took place because of what the angels did. So Zuzu's proclamation at the end of It's a Wonderful Life is not exactly <laughs> no. theologically correct. Right. And so I, I think we need to speak into that because we all have heard it. And, you know, and it's like, well, so, you know, when someone passes, it's like, well, God has a new angel. It's like, yeah. no, that's not the way it works. And again, what you read this morning, I mean, the idea of just who we are as human beings and just thinking through the whole incarnation and the fact of God taking on flesh and moving in the neighborhood is just a beautiful, beautiful understanding. And not to, we don't want to do violence to taking away our role in this story. Right. And that's really what it is when we sort of say, well, we just become angels. It's like, no, angels had a, had a whole place in God's economy you know, from the beginning of time, basically, when he creates them. And then their role is basically through all the story is to bring honor and glory to God. I mean... 
we flip to Revelation four and five, where we get this description around the you know, the throne and where Jesus was, and so even the idea. And it's funny as we talked at church about how every time the angel shows up, what does he say? Fear not. Yeah, well, it's like right. right. It's kind of funny. It's it's like really. I mean, can you imagine seeing a celestial being? It's probably he needs to say that, and yet he's got this great news. And then really, mm-hmm. the story I love is we talked you know back and forth on email was um, the story of the shepherds of like the first one shows up and I think he shows up because he wants to make sure that these guys are ready. These shepherds who are, you know, just the low of the low in that, that community where God's going to, you know, announce to them, you know, these things that have been sort of hidden in, in Zechariah's story. Cause he can't talk. Right. Right. He's right. in silence because he didn't believe. Mm-hmm. And then Mary, she knows what's going to happen. Uh, and so it's sort of secret for her. And then even with, um, Joseph, it's also a secret. So it's, there's this, this beautiful, we can go any place you want with it this morning because it just each story has its own. And then the shepherds, it's like, oh, goodness, uh, hang on. You can start us off while I take a sip of this wonderful hot beverage that you also <laughs> brought along. Yeah. What? Mm, <laughs> minty. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, where are you at? Well, let's let's just read this Christmas story. I mean, John, uh, Luke chapter two, okay, the one we know so well. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. And the beautiful thing that this points out, you know, you know we could spend lots of time in this park here, is how God works through just the, the ordinary, right? So mm-hmm. Caesar Augustus is doing his thing. And he doesn't realize that he's actually setting up God's thing. And this is all framing it in history. It Luke, is. Luke is a great historian. Right, Dr. Luke. Yeah, and he wants to make sure we know that this happened at a specific time. Right. In a specific place. Right. Where there were specific people living. And exactly. And it happened to real people in real time. Right. Now, the problem is, well, we take the whole story, right, and we collapse it into our pageantry on Christmas Eve. Right. And actually, you know, it, it's, it sort of plays out over a couple of years, even mm-hmm. to the idea of the wise men, as you talked about earlier this morning, you know, it's like they're, they're, they're actually, it's, it's a while off before they show up. Mm-hmm. And then even how Joseph receives the opportunity to hear from the angel a couple times because of Joseph's role of protecting Jesus, you know, as the husband mm-hmm. and the father protecting Mary and then the husband and father to, to Jesus. But let's continue. Okay. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now, again, you know, again, Luke's wanting us to help see, because if you're, if you're living in the first century and you're hearing this story being told, remember the Bible wasn't the Bible for the first century folks. It was a, a letter of what's going on. And so he reminds them that this is the promise that's coming. And then it goes on to say, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for them, available for them. Hmm. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, absolutely. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all. All people. All people, yeah. Yeah. 
and again, it's you know the mystery of how God works and using the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. And they couldn't have well, the heavenly beings couldn't have announced this to anybody more quote unquote ordinary, right? Than the ones they picked, right? And it, and so again, uh, uh, when we look at the shepherds, you know, the idea that they're, you know, they're not exactly the, the on anybody's list to be invited to because they smell like sheep, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, they are, uh, you know, their character is somewhat questioned. Um, and I actually heard something recently by a biblical scholar that suggests that even that they, they were mostly girls. Really? Yeah. So it was interesting just to hear someone's perspective because of the role of women in that mm. culture. Of okay. It was relegated to them. That was their duty. So if you if that's true... You know, that even adds a whole other element But when you think about the, the, the character and how the culture worked in that time, that women were relegated to a, you know, a lesser place. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, Today in the town of David, as the angels announce, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Now, again, Luke's helping us to see because, again, these words matter. I mean, it's not just anyone. It's the Messiah. You know, they've been waiting for this. And if we see the context of where the scriptures are written, we need to be reminded that it's been 400 years between the Old Testament and Matthew and Mark and Luke's gospel of the telling of the, of the story of Jesus coming. So if you're God's people and, and there's been basically silence for 400 years. Um, well, this should be good news. It's amazing news. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about it, um, and I've read this in Claire Ferguson book, uh, in preparation for this Christmas season, and I was looking at some of what Michael Card has written in uh, in his books about this event, and it's just very interesting that Sinclair Lewis points out he he asked a very simple question: Did Micah or Malachi or Isaiah have any clue? that the person they were talking about was going to be the kind of savior they were talking about. Did they realize that they were going to have a spiritual king and maybe not necessarily a political king? Right, and that was the confusion when he shows up, right? And so that's why oh, yeah. Herod, the story you told about that's Herod. That's why he gets so upset. Right. Yes. But again, we, you know, and <laughs> without going there, but just sort of tapping on a little bit, you know, the idea of what we look to politics to accomplish Right. You know, mm. so it's that's a whole nother conversation because Jesus came and, and, and so maybe Malachi, if we could talk to these guys, you know, yeah. and say, you know, someday, what, what do you know about this now? I mean, they could see through it. But I actually think if we park then on the next story here about what the angels say. Right. And because it says, then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest mm-hmm. and on earth, peace to those to whom his favor rests. Now, what have the angels been doing for the last number of you know, millennia, right? <laughs> I mean, if we we jump to uh, John's book, uh, the Revelation, yeah, you know, cha- chapters four and five, he gives us a description of the, the angels. Basically, their role is to bring glory to God, and so you almost wonder, uh, you know, what was going on, you know, because they know that humanity's broken. They, you know, God has sent them a number of times through the course of the Old Testament narrative to show up and bring his judgment, but also his encouragement and, you know, his promise. And, and yet at the same time, you know, when the angels finally show up, it's, it's almost as though 
finally they know the story. Finally they know how God's going to rescue his people, his, his hum, human beings. And that's why, again, we need to be very clear about the fact that human beings are human beings and angels are angels. And you know, Billy Graham wrote a great book on this. Yeah. That's, uh, I would re- reference people to that is really worth the time because we need to see that. And I think in our confusion in our culture, um, you just the dehumanizing of people, you know, that this idea, no, God came, you know, took on flesh as, uh, as E.G. Peterson says, you know, moved into the neighborhood when he yeah. talks in John chapter one about Jesus' incarnation. You know, one of the, um, interesting things that I've read in this Christmas season in the lead up to Christmas was, and I, I think it might've even been, um, John Stott who mentioned the, the, well, at least what the human being would see as the danger of sending God to earth in human form as a baby. And, I think uh, he wrote something akin to if you were a human being writing a Bible about the salvation of man and trying to teach the salvation of men, wouldn't you make the story a little easier than this? (laughs) Wouldn't God show up as a blinding flash of revelation to point his finger at all humanity and say, you must be saved? But yet, and, you know, reading things like um, from people like John Piper, right? Piper makes the point that it absolutely had to be this way. Right. In order, first of all, for the message to be fully received, it had to be transmitted by a human. And in order for the idea of salvation and payment for sin to be fully realized, there had to be a sacrifice. Right, uh, uh, so that was sufficient to accomplish the end because they had been right. doing sacrifices for for millennia, right. right? And and yet that's the and I'm so glad because I'm not I don't you know blood and I don't get along. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm glad that in my role as a pastor, uh, to walk alongside people, I don't have to. Did Jesus accomplish that? And then you know we have the story at his crucifixion when he he finally passes. You know the temple, the curtain is torn in two. Mm-hmm. which brings to reality that we no longer need someone to go into the Holy of Holies. Right. Which of course brings us back to Zechariah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this whole story has so many fascinating aspects to it. And, and that, uh, you know, you just mentioned that as being Zechariah being one of the last, what, 30. Right. Who probably had that opportunity to go behind the curtain and what's interesting there, uh, can we go back to that for a second? Sure. In Luke 1? Sure. Because that's where um, Sinclair Ferguson talks about the fact, uh, he just asked a question. He said, what must it have been like to be Zechariah? This is the greatest day of your life. No, he's been waiting for it. He actually gets picked by lottery. Exactly. So he didn't even know this was going to happen. Right. But he gets chosen to go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies, what must it have been like to all of a sudden realize that you were definitely not alone right. behind that curtain? Right. And that just gave me chills reading it 
Because I never considered that aspect sure. of it before. So let me just, uh, th- this is a crazy parallel, but I just think it's one of the reasons why movies, you know, capture our imagination. Mm-hmm. Because it's about the larger story that God's written. Right. So you think about, I mean, as we're, we're watching through, you know, the, the, the Marvel series. So like Hawkeye is on right now on Disney. <laughs> and it's just amazing to me how every week they, it's like, I didn't see that coming. Hmm. You know, and the beauty of, I would really like to see where the white wall, the whiteboard is that has all these storylines. Right. With you know? all the strings and pins. Yeah, and, because, yeah but, exactly. But, but, but that gives us a picture of the fact that there's order in the universe, right? I mean, that's the hope that we have. And that's why this time of Christmas, we walk back through, you know, in the midst of our messiness as broken people is that there is hope. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of places we can go. I mean, even the idea of the shepherds, it's interesting. What did the shepherds do after they were... They met the angels. Right. They, they, they went and found the Christ child, right? They went and found Jesus. But what did they do after that? They went back to their work. Well, they did. Right? Yeah, they did. Which is a great analogy for us. You know, uh, I was thinking Sunday as I sort of talked about this, you know, the, the great Reformation principle of sola dea gloria, you know, that all mm-hmm. of our life is intersected with how we see God operate. And, it, and it's important for us as we walk through, because how many times have we walked through this Christmas story? Oh, Every year. Right. Right. So how do we tell it differently and yet at the same time offer hope? Or even like last week I had the privilege of uh, doing a, a funeral celebration of life for a woman I didn't know. I knew her grand, mm. grandson. And, you know, what do you offer in those moments? Well, well there's hope because here's what I knew about the woman. Um, in her obituary, it said that she loved Christmas. Mm. Really. <laughs> now, I don't know her faith and I don't know her testimony other than what people told me, but there was just a beauty of being reminded that there's something about our lives. And so now she was one of those that actually operated very properly because it wasn't until Thanksgiving night that she went to the closet and, you know, got out the Christmas tree and got yeah. ready for it. And then she baked and baked and baked to bless others. Right. And I would love to be able to have a conversation with her because I think she would tell us of the hope that she knows, especially now. Right. I oh mean, yeah. And glory. Yeah. I think, you know, what you alluded to there a couple of minutes ago is a whole nother study. It's the, um, what, what, what were the words you used? I didn't see that coming. Right. I think you could do a great, I didn't see that coming. Right. Study. Zechariah. Right. Elizabeth. Mary. <laughs> Joseph. Shepherds. Innkeeper. Herod. Right. I mean, you name it. Nobody right, and the question is, saw this coming. We all have this opportunity every day, and so how do you respond to it? So Zechariah, right. who should know, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's part of the, the tribe, right? He's he, a learned man. Right. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, sometimes we throw the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they're sad, you see. Yes. <laughs> yeah, their view, we throw them under the bus, but, you know, these were good people trying to do good things. They just missed the mark. And they missed, they missed the message. Right. Which, when it finally came. Right. And so that should say to us, are we paying attention? So, But can we blame them after no. 400 to 700 years no. of waiting? Right. That they missed, or if they didn't miss the message, they may have missed maybe the most important part about the message. Right. right. They may have heard a part of it, but maybe not the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So that should give hope to us, right? Because we're trying to figure it out. I mean, in this crazy, you know, here we are two years into a crazy global pandemic and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what life looks like going forward. And we need to go forward because life is life. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but it's complicated. And so these stories that we pull from the scriptures to say, okay, God, what are you doing in the midst of this, this circumstance right now? 
we're not Mary and Joseph, mm. you know, but at the same time, I mean, even Joseph's story, when you lean into it, and it's, it's clear, it's interesting when you think about how the angels showed up. Um, I mean, they show up to Zachariah face-to-face. They show up to Mary face-to-face. They show up to uh, the shepherds. But with Joseph, it takes a dream, and actually yeah. multiple times. So, Oh, we're going to keep going. Okay. We have, uh, we, can, we can get another 15 minutes, absolutely. Fun. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, sitting and talking today with Pastor Tom. And uh, we're going to continue our study in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 as our Wednesday morning Bible study continues here on Heartfelt Radio, 91.9. Wednesday morning Bible study here on Mornings with Mark and Gabe. I'm Mark Zimmerman. Gabrielle Collins is off this week. She'll be back on Monday with Brian Brooks. They'll be here while I'm away. Pastor Tom Repke is with me in the studio once again for Bible study on a Wednesday morning. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Mark. And Melinda's here, too. Hi, Melinda. Good morning, Mark. <laughs> Thank you for bringing Melinda along. My pleasure, great. yeah. Took the great. morning to a whole other level. And uh, we have cookies. We have hashtag coffee cake ministry in the studio. And more. And more. And more. Yes. And a hot beverage. That, which too. I'm not used to drinking a hot beverage in the morning, and I almost choked myself in the yeah, last segment. I don't know how you segment. not do that. I mean, I like, know, back to the conversation about coffee with Gabe. It's like, how do you do I this, know. Mark? And you're on the correct side of the table. You're on Gabe's side yeah, of the table set that, yes. where you unify against me. But <laughs> Sorry. that's I don't know. I don't know why I never got in that habit. But this could change my mind. Okay. That's good. <laughs> it actually is pretty good, I have to admit. Uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, at least we were, right. <laughs> in the first half of the Bible study. So where are we going to go now? Well, I, I want to jump back because, Luke, again, we'll start with Luke, the very first verse of his first, because of what Luke's trying to set up for us, because I think okay. it's, it's important. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those whom the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind... Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Okay. So there's just a beauty in that. So when we think about all the narrative that we've been back and forth in in this Christmas story, yep. there's just real, real encouragement in that, right? And then even if you want to put your finger there and hop back to Matthew, because we have you know what we call the synoptic Gospels, so we see mm-hmm. Matthew, how he starts. How does Matthew start out? Well, he he begins by laying out the entire genealogy of Jesus. Which is also pretty messy and a study all in itself. Because I started looking that up yesterday, and I realized if I go through this entire genealogy, this is going to take me weeks. Yeah. Because there are some interesting people, there are some really great people in the genealogy, and there are some pretty sketchy people. Well, right. I mean, I mean, all of them are sketchy. I mean, if you think about <laughs> Aren't it. Aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the hope. So Abraham, for example. I mean, he didn't exactly, you know, pull things together correctly. No. Right? <laughs> and then and you're, and that's verse 2 of chapter 1 of Matthew. And you get to verse 2, and the last line, and, and his, whose mother was Tamar. Well, I'll just give you a little tease on her. She's an adulteress. So, you know, <laughs> you just walk through it, and Rahab and... 
it's just amazing stories of, of how God continues to show up. But it's in that I want to, so I want to jump into how uh, we want to talk about Joseph just for a moment. Right. Because in, in Matthew chapter one, so I'm going to have you jump over there, verses, verse 18, it starts. And it's interesting, the, the little subheadline, because again, we've made the scriptures very convenient for us. So there's, you know, paragraph headings and there's verses <laughs> so we can read it. Yeah. So mine actually, I think it's kind of cool. It's the NIV says, Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. So it's interesting. You know, Matthew, again, words matter. So don't miss that. Jesus, the Messiah. So he's underscoring, you know, who Jesus is. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, that's an interesting term there because the idea of being pledged, that's not how our culture works. No, it's not. And in that century, in the way culture worked there, it was very deliberate in terms of what marriage looked like and you know, you didn't live together. I mean, there was a very orderly process. You know, today cohabitation is just sort of the norm. Mm. Uh, so that's a whole other conversation, right? But he goes on to say, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So there's a lot about Joseph's character we don't know, but it's interesting here that he was, a, you know, a righteous man. And yet, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this... Okay, let's hold on right there. Okay. Because if we back up just a couple of verses to the genealogy, what a wonderful little tap dance Matthew does around some of the facts in Matthew one sixteen, And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus who is called the Christ. It never says Joseph is the father. It just says the husband of Mary who gave birth to Jesus. Right. That's some pretty good first century tap dancing. It is right there. And then, then to be reminded, I mean, my favorite book is James and, you know, James okay. is the half brother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that'd be fun to just talk about that for a while. Oh, right. Right. What did that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the uh, tags you had, one of the, radio spot you somebody i don't know on the drive up was talking about what did that look like i think it was your friend new friend from oh yes marlon miller yeah Yeah. we'll hear that at uh, about 806 yeah he tapped on that a little bit and it's just like and one and i both it's like hmm, yeah i don't know yeah what does it look like uh then that's the beauty of it and that's the only way the rescue could happen is by as peterson's as god taking on flesh and moving Moving into the neighborhood right emmanuel you know god with us and what does that mean and then that gives us hope right no matter what we're pushing through. Back to Matthew 1? Yes. Okay. So, uh, but he, after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Ties him in again right. to the genealogy. Right. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, it's interesting. Jesus was a popular name at that time mm-hmm. because it just, you know, Joshua, Yeshua. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. But right. in this place, it's an even deeper meaning because it's about, you know, God with us. So you think about mm-hmm. all of that. There's that, you know, the dance of, of some, you know, this idea that Jesus is just a good moral teacher, right? Mm-hmm. No, he, if he didn't come and take on flesh and then eventually pay for our sins by going to the cross, um, it, nothing would have been sufficient. You know, that, that set it right for all of eternity. 
And that's what why the angels, again, back to their story, they get so excited because they know the rescue plan is finally in, in place. And that's why they show up with the shepherds to sort of blow it all away um, hmm. and say, you know, here's the hope that's come finally. And then he goes on to say, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And again, we could spend some time just talking about Joseph's faithfulness. Well, exactly, because when you look at that, he still had the problem. Right. The problem was he still was not married to this woman yet, and she was pregnant. Right. She's showing the baby bump. Right. (laughs) Right. But he did, as it says in verse 24, as the Lord's angel had commanded him. Right. Period. Right. Yep. And then it goes on to say, to just to wrap up that section, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Which, of course, there's another one for you because in that culture, the firstborn son right. usually has the name of the father. Right. And Zechariah had the same problem. Right. Because they kept asking him, well, <laughs> what's the what's the name of the kid? Well, the, his name is John. Right. You know, that's what Elizabeth says. So they ask the dad, and he writes out on the little tablet, right. his name is John. Exactly. And then finally he can talk. <laughs> yes. Uh, but here again, you know, the name of the child is not Joseph. It's Jesus. Right. And that's where it all centers. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the answer in any church when you ask a question is usually the answer can be Jesus, right? Because right. Because that's what ties us in. <laughs> But right. but that's the hope, and I guess that's right. why we tell the story again, because I, I think we're all slow learners. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'll admit that for my own life, and that to be reminded, even in this season of Advent, to be much more intentional about just pausing and preparing. And, and when you think about it, all the stories, as we sort of roll through it, Zechariah was called to prepare, right? I mean, that was his, his task, was to prepare the way of the Lord, and it was actually going to be with through his son and that faithfulness. And then Mary is called to actually provide which is a crazy thing. She's to provide her body, literally her womb for the, for the, mm. for the coming of Jesus, because that's how it has to happen in order for him to take on flesh and move into the neighborhood. So as we kind of head around third and head home here and finish this morning, we have just been through a month of frantic preparation since Thanksgiving We are going to pause on Friday night, hopefully, for a couple of hours to worship. And then we're going to get into a frantic weekend and then maybe another week of getting together with friends and traveling here and there. What would you recommend, Pastor Tom, about how we need to maybe do a little bit better job of slowing down, Stopping, listening, pausing, and taking things into our heart. Maybe instead of just skipping over them like a stone on a pond. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it all comes down to all of our individual responsibilities. And, you know, yeah. the tyranny of what comes at us is really how we respond to it. So my encouragement would be, you know, to have, I mean, the response, don't be a Zechariah. <laughs> mm. uh, the model of Mary and Joseph of how they you know, faithfully accepted what God gave them. But even the shepherds who like they roll and they show up and, you know, they give honor to God and and they they see the Christ child 
as they're told, they see this child because they're told to go see this baby, but they know it's the baby that's in swaddling clothes. So they find him and they bring honor to him. But then they go, it says they go back to work. And, right. And I think it's in that pausing of re- being reminded that there's only, um, you know, that how I respond to life is, is my choice and to be intentional and to learn to say no. Right. right. Oh. Especially as we begin a new year, right? We'll all right. lean into our, uh, in a couple of weeks, lean into the promises of, that we're going to make to ourselves of, you know, working out at the gym or riding <laughs> more miles on my bike or whatever. Oh, yeah, those right. Promises, yes. But it's intentionality, and so my encouragement would be that we we pause, you know, intentionally that we actually book it into your calendar. You know, there's a great thing on your phone that you can actually you, know, <laughs> you can actually block things out, uh, and that's the only way you can protect it because. People will knock on your door. People will open your door. People will call you on the phone. And you just have to learn to, in this age in which we live, not to always be on because we're not wired for that. Yeah. And yet we have come to live. I mean, we maybe thought when we were kids that we were entering that age of always being on. Right. But now we've kind of gone through the looking glass on that. Right. I mean, and just even the practice, maybe one simple practice would be, you know, put the cell phone in another room, <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's become our device, right? It's become a core part of our lives. At the same time, it's a beautiful tool. At the same time, there's a there's a judgment that comes with it because it's a time suck. One picture maybe at the start of opening presents, then all phones in the other room, and then maybe one picture at the end. That'd be beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and just spend the time... Going around the circle. Yeah. Talking. And maybe even not take a picture. I don't know. Maybe not at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ooh. I mean, I'm a visual storyteller, storyteller so I love, evil. I, I love that. But at the same time, <laughs> what, what did we do before, you know, 2007 when this thing showed up in our world? Right. Um, how, how, who can imagine such a thing? I don't know. Well, as we always do, Pastor Tom, we want to uh, wrap things up in this Bible study as we've worked our way through. Uh, just, you know, kind of a 30,000-foot view of Luke 1 and 2 and then Matthew 1 by praying us into not only today, but the days that are to come as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Okay, let's All pray. Right, let's God, pray. we just, we even consecrate this day ahead. Um, just maybe we can live differently, but we thank you for the reality of this story. And may we, like the shepherds uh, and like Mary and Joseph in their own way, and even Zachariah, Uh, Be faithful to all that you call us to. May we in this season approach it differently. May your Holy Spirit encourage us in that. But for all of it, may we also know that there's a world out there that needs us to take our strength and offer the hope that we find in you. And so we pray that we have those moments too. And we just ask your blessing now as we lean into that in all ways, not to miss any opportunity. And we just pray it in your strong name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And amen. Well, blessings to you. And all your folks at Linden Road. Thanks. Merry Christmas. As to you, you celebrate. Yes. Thank you. And uh, we will see you again okay. in 2022. Good. Thank you, sir. Blessings. Thank you. Mark. And uh, for all these treats that are sitting on the table here in front of me, thank you, Melinda. <laughs> Good stuff. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Blessings.